The IDP Pro Manager Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is proudly brought to you by Shady Rays. And this month, SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May, when you can get 50% off your Shady Ray using promo code SGPN and sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win $500. And the month of May stays hot when the SGPN fantasy football team also gives away a free Lamar Jackson jersey. Just leave a five-star review on our Spotify or Apple podcast to enter. Then direct message us your review at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter to confirm your entry. And SGPN Fantasy could select you as the winner May 31st. We're also brought to you by our Kentucky Derby contest. The winner gets a $100 SGPN gift card exclusively on the SGPN app. So, the IDP Pro Manager Pod is a proud member of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, home of the hottest, smartest, and fastest-growing sports gambling and fantasy football providers and professional sports entertainment today. And now, without any further delay, here are your veteran senior IDP pros, Craig, Brad, and Gary. Slacking, I mean sacking, today's hottest NFL IDP. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. It is Friday morning. That means you are live with the IDP Pro Manager Pod. With you, as always, myself, Craig Reith, and Gary, the IDP tipster. We have a special guest with us this week going over more IDP rookies. We have Matt Schauf from Draft Sharks. Matt, how are you doing? Can you believe that some people do things other than talk about defensive players on a Friday morning? How could I be how could I be not be doing well? Oh yeah. If you don't know him, again, like I said, you can find him over on Draft Sharks. He's a two-time IDP accuracy champion on Fantasy Pros. He's also the FFPC main event league champion. Matt. Anything you got cooking up for people that they can go check out? Yeah, man. I just put out my IDP rookie rankings a couple days ago. Those, they're a premium article on DraftSharks.com, but you can get into it with a free view if you do it quickly enough. You can find those. Um, I went 45 deep. I got write-ups on most of those guys. They're split out by position. And then, of course, working on the regular season projections, which then are going to feed the overall dynasty rankings among the IDPs. And those go into the draft war room that helps everybody draft their best lineup, no matter what format they're playing in, including IDPs, of course. Awesome, awesome. So we can get everybody who's maybe not as familiar with you, a little bit of background info on you here. How long have you been playing fantasy football for? I've been playing since it was 1999 or 2000 somewhere in that range i was in the middle of college and finally got started and immediately found it was for me gary you probably started back when we were doing this on out of the newspapers but 2001 i think was my first yahoo league when i went back and looked you know my favorite pencil that i used to use was one of those big ass number there's kindergarten pencils the Uh, kind that you never played pencil break oh yeah and if you only knew D gens or crazy ass people, at least when I started, it was a bunch of guys in the neighborhood. I'm really curious what you think about this class. I would say overall, it's not a terrific class of IDPs and that highlights the two guys at the top. I liked Will Anderson and Jack Campbell as my top two IDPs among the rookies heading into the NFL draft. And then I got even more separation on that from the way the draft played out. So it's really those two guys. And then after that, there aren't a whole lot of flags that I'm looking to plant. How long have you been playing IDP for? Like specifically, did you start into that right away or did you gradually get into that? The IDP path is kind of funny because the league that I played in first started with IDPs, but it did it in just like that dabbling way where we started. I, I can't remember if we started two or three initially, which if you've never played it before, it seems to make sense. But once you get into it, you're like, oh, that's silly. That's like playing three offensive players and choosing from all of the wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. So 
in that league, I was like, guys, I don't think we should do this. I think we should go to team defenses. That's what most leagues do. So I actually helped our league move away from IDPs there. And then (laughs) years later, when I was looking for fantasy writing opportunities, I found this website and the guy was like, well, I I need somebody to do a a start sit IDP column. And I was like, I don't really IDPs, but I'm looking for something, you know, anything that I'm going to do, I'm going to put my all into. So I did that dove into it and I was like oh if you play this right this is actually very interesting it's at least as interesting as the offensive side there are more guys to choose from because everybody on defense factors in as opposed to on offense where you know five of the dudes are offensive linemen so I got back into it there started doing more with it from there and just kind of built to where I am today how long had you been playing when you got into that writing gig I, that probably started around 2003 or four. I started, so I'd been playing overall since, like I said, like 99, I started writing just out of college because uh, the sports editor at the newspaper I was working at asked me if I wanted to. And I was like, I guess so. I hadn't really thought about it, but you know, quickly um, fell for that and and looked for more and then just kind of built on top of that. So IDP wise, I think I've probably been playing now since 04, 05. So if you got to create your perfect league, how would you have that set up? I mean, I think one of the great things about it is lots of different formats work fine. I know there's some push to try to unify it, but Mm. I'm all for whatever people enjoy. I think my ideal would be matching up the number of defensive positions with the number of offensive positions in your lineup, the, the lineup that you set every week, making sure to mix in plenty of linemen, linebackers, and DBs have specific cornerback slots, have specific defensive tackle slot or two. So, you know, it incorporates everybody. It doesn't leave out some area of the position just because the scoring doesn't favor him. And then making sure to incorporate pressure stats, you know, beyond sacks, going for stuff like quarterback hits, tackles for loss, because then you're including the truly valuable stuff that often gets left out. You can have somebody who whether it be an off-ball linebacker or an edge player, you can have somebody who's a really valuable on-field player, but just because he doesn't quite convert as many sacks or, you know, because he has tackles for loss and doesn't put up huge total tackle numbers, he just kind of gets, I don't know, underrated for his true on-field impact. So I think stats like that can help elevate that guy and let people know how good he actually is. All right. Well, we will get back into more questions, specifically sort of what uh, Matt's looking for in this upcoming season overall, right after this. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. So not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win 500 in cold hard cash. And Shady Rays always has you covered from the sun to the slopes. With premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all eyewear. Every single pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. And you can wear your Shady Rays with confidence when Shady Rays has your back long after you purchase. So if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair. Or return them for free within 30 days. There's never a risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. So go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. And the month of May stays hot when the SGPN fantasy football team also gives away a free Lamar Jackson jersey. Just leave a five-star review on our Spotify or Apple podcast to enter. Then direct message us your review at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter to confirm your entry. And SGPN Fantasy could select you as the winner May 31st. 
Getting back to some more questions here, hotly debated one right now. Do you have a favorite platform or app out there to play fantasy on? I honestly don't have a single favorite. I've played on Yahoo the most. I can get behind Sleeper. I can get behind my fantasy league. My fantasy league is one that if you play on it for the first time, you're like, oh, man, how do I find anything? Uh, you know, when I first got on, I was like, oh, this is like, oh they just have everything. That's why it's hard to find some of the stuff. A rookie learning curve. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a favorite NFL team? I The Eagles are my favorite team. I'm definitely to the point and have been for a while where they're not affecting my mood. I like when the Eagles win. I'm not mad when they lose. I'm not elated when they win. I've ended up getting to that point too, although it's because of the malaise of being a Cowboys fan when they were awesome when they were young and just having to deal with them throughout my adult life. It's like you can't invest too much in them because they're just going to lead to disappointment for me. So. Yeah, they did rope you in and then let you down. Yeah, they're, they're great at doing that. <laughs> We're going to get into a number of IDP rookies here coming up soon, but are there any, other than you know the two you mentioned, guys that you're looking to target maybe in your deeper leagues that are IDP rookies or dynasty leagues that are holds? Those are really the standouts from this class. Otherwise, it's going to be value-wise. And you know, it's a, a couple of guys on this list are, are sleeper types, the list that you guys sent me. For the show there there are some sleeper types that as it gets later into the draft i will have an eye on them but like last year Malcolm rodriguez was a player that i really liked the profile on and i knew he was going to stick around on rookie draft boards and he was somebody that if i didn't get him in a rookie draft i was unhappy i don't have that kind of player in this draft there are guys that i would like to have but there's not one along those lines where i'm like oh crap the draft finished and i didn't get it. I've got to branch off of that. So we've already covered Campbell, but I got to ask you, you know, how do you feel about that Anzalone, Campbell, Rodriguez, and upset. I guess what? what's that fourth wheel, Barnes? Is he still there? <laughs> I'm upset. I mean, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez was my guy last year. I figured this year we were going to get the breakout. Then they re-sign Alex Anzalone. Then they draft Jack Campbell. And that to me says that last year they were like, eh, things aren't quite good enough here. Jack Campbell's terrific. So we're going to bring him in. And, you know, we'll let the others fall where they do. If you had to rank the three, if you were stuck, say, in the middle of a draft and you all three were available, who who's your first two? It's Campbell. It's Anzalone after that. Because, you know, regardless of what they think of everybody else, the Lions clearly sitting at 18 in the first round were like, Jack Campbell, we need him. Right. Because right. They, right. Didn't, they didn't specifically Well, they take best him. player off the board, I think. You know, right. Like, but, and it's at a position, though, that's a low value position in real NFL. So clearly they were like, we have got to have that guy. He's going to be ours. I don't care that we just gave Alex Anzalone the biggest contract he's gotten in his career. I don't care that Malcolm Rodriguez became a starter as a sixth round rookie. Jack Campbell's going to make us better. So we're definitely taking him. So I'm expecting him to be a full time player. You know, he's a three down right. profile and the draft capital supports that. Behind him would be Anzalone because, like I said, they gave him the money despite Mm -hmm. it being a low premium position. So I'm assuming that those two guys are going to be the playing time leaders. I'm assuming that Rodriguez is more like a halftime player, the third linebacker. And I I, I was never high on Derek Barnes. I think everybody else in the group 
been accused lately of being a big Lions fan from some of the guys. I, I, I mean, it's because last year, I, I just love what Campbell is doing up there, man. And I think, I agree. I think Anzalone's not going anywhere because of the way the culture is and how Campbell rewards his guys that he's brought in that's high character and giving them a chance. But I don't want to keep rattling on about that. Love it. I had, I had to ask. I'm not, I'm not wearing no Detroit shit yet, but you know, we'll uh, yeah. see. Do you have a uh, typical strategy when you're going into drafting your IDPs? If you're, you know, looking at a redraft or dynasty league, the position that you value more, or the position that you think you can get later on the back end, so you're not going to take early. That's been, I think, shifting over the past few years as we've seen fewer linebackers get full playing time. So it used to be that you could wait on linebackers and you'd find plenty who would be on the field enough to collect tackles. And that's just going away because teams are going with fewer linebackers staying on the field for full-time snaps. Some teams don't even have one guy that's on the field all the time at that position. So it's really a bit more about specific players than positions. I think edge has become the spot where you can wait and find plenty of guys because the playing time is spread out a little bit more there and you don't as much need somebody who plays 80 plus percent of the snaps there as you would at linebacker. I mean, DB is always the spot to wait on yep. to that end. Derwin James was a guy I was drafting last year because I think there's a big gap in both floor and ceiling. So, you know, even on that front, there would be a player that I would target. If Derwin James goes, I'm probably waiting until the very end cornerback. That's the spot where like, if you play in a league that's plays specific cornerback positions, if you know what you're doing, if you put in the work ahead of the draft, that's the position you can just wait until the very end. I know I can take guys that are going to outscore what my league mates have. And I can do that even against people who play IDP every year, just because it's that kind of position that's, Mm -hmm. it's unpredictable. So people will grab who has been intercepting a lot of passes lately. And then if you look at playing time, you know, tackles, rolls, all that, you can be like, I'm going to wait till the last round. I'm going to get this guy. And by week five, you're going to be like, man, he did it again. Right. If you're anything like me, when or both of you guys, when, when you start doing and you start thinking about start sets or you start dividing those lines in, plus when you're writing and sharing this information and you're continuously looking at that broad picture, cornerbacks are streamable, period. I, I think that's usually what I preach mostly. Stream those cornerbacks, avoid DBs. I, I love it, man. Do you have an early Super Bowl prediction for us, Matt? <laughs> no, I don't, no, I haven't looked that far yet, and I didn't put any money on anybody there this year. Last year, right after the Super Bowl, I put money on the Chargers. So if you asked me that last <laughs> May, I'd be like, oh, yeah, the Chargers are going to win. Right. I, I didn't do any such bet this year, so I have no no horses yet. Otherwise, I, I guess I would go Eagles. Yeah, if I had to do it, I'd put it on the <laughs> Eagles, too, that way. If uh, they end up breaking oh, my heart, that's a Dallas fan. fan. They do, Whoa. yeah. That way, uh, win Whoa, some money. What the if hell? They beat my Cowboys and win the Super Bowl. At least I'm happy winning money from it. So, well, at least you didn't say Washington. <laughs> no, not there with them yet, or the Giants. So, yeah, they're going through man a lot of shit to get this thing like sold. They're just trying to figure out what the hell Dan Snyder spent all the money on. Fact: The National Breast Cancer Foundation reports that a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer every two minutes. And we already know finding new innovations in research, surgical options, and clinical trials is essential to finding a cure. And to all those fantasy football ladies that may be listening, we also know with early detection your survival rate goes up. And that's why breast self-exams are very important, and the best way to give your old girls their best fighting chance to win the championship. 
So, with all that being said, the fellas here at the IDP Pro Players Pod would like to remind everyone, the National Breast Cancer Foundation does take donations, so please, go and give what you can, and let's give our mothers, our wives, our sisters, and every woman, the support, the resources, and maybe even more importantly, the hope, by knowing we all really do care. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Plus, you have ways to win with the NBA, NHL, and MLB player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And it's also Kentucky Derby Week and Notorious OTB brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network for all your Triple Crown bets. Please leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcast between now and Belmont Saturday, June 10th, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a canvas print of the Wolf's one-of-a-kind Fallen Bob painting. It's post time. Got a couple quick fire questions here for you, Matt. Just predictions if you had to be making them today on who ends up at the first of these positions scoring-wise for your average fantasy league. So who would you have as your number one edge? TJ Watt. Defensive tackle one? Defensive tackle, I have to think for a second. Um, maybe it's Jeffrey Simmons time. I like that one. I like I got to check my my preliminary rankings. We all love Simmons here, I, thankfully. I, hopefully he uh, is able to kick it up another notch there. I think last year he he would have actually taken the next step, but uh, considering you lose Landry and then the condition of the team is an entirety, you know they put a lot on Jeffrey Simmons last year. I, I expect him to bounce back. That's he also played about back. half that season on a sprained ankle, so I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that we have not seen the best of Jeffrey Simmons yet. Landry probably isn't going to be too much help right off the top. You can't bend the edge with what he had. He had an Achilles. I think it was ACL. Yeah, kind of hard to bend that first year back. Did you say linebacker next, Craig? Yep, inside linebacker. I think Nick Bolton's the safe guy there. Foye Oluokun certainly um, fairly safe as well. Though That's a spot where I'm not necessarily the drafters on those, depending on how early they're going, because I don't think there's a lot of separation between them and the next few guys. I, I, I'm wondering if Shaquille Leonard's going to wind up being a value. I think he probably will after the way last year went. And assuming that he's healthy this summer – He's he would be my target because he his right. ceiling rises above everyone else in the position. He's still in his prime age. He hasn't been healthy for two years. Everybody's down on him. That's my favorite value, you know, all told. Mm. Top safety is always Derwin James until something changes. It's similar to Shaq Leonard, not quite to the same degree, but I think he just has the higher ceiling than anyone else at the position because he can score across positions. They said last year heading into the year, the new Chargers staff – said they were basically building the defense around uh, Derwin James. I don't think we really got the full view of what that meant production-wise, but um, it's it's in there. My question then, if Derwin James is gone, then who's that one that you might try to target later on, like you mentioned? Yeah, I, I'm waiting after that because there's plenty around. I think Antoine Winfield's injury from last year is going to push him down the board, but he's got plenty of upside. He played a lot of slot last year, so that should keep him – delivering consistent tackles throughout the season. Grant Delpit was a little sneaky last year. And then Jordan Poyer fell down amid injuries. So he's another one that would be a value. So I'd definitely be waiting and kind of seeing where things go otherwise. 
And I know you mentioned that you're more likely to pick up cornerbacks late and stream those, but if you had to pick a cornerback to end up at the top at the end of the season, who would that be? Legereus Sneed, he's just doing it in every category. He delivers the tackles. He can rush the passer if they need him to. He's a slot corner, so he stays near the action. So I think he's the guy that's going to be our consistent source of production at a position that lacks consistency. All right. Well, we are going to get into that rookie talk that everyone's been waiting for. we got a number of guys that we haven't covered on the previous shows we're going to be going through. A lot of these guys are, I think, pretty much all of them are third-round or later picks. So not necessarily immediate IDP contributors. And you heard at the start, we don't necessarily think there's a lot of them that are going to be top fantasy performers right away. First guy on the list here, interesting longer-term play, depending on what they do with Montez Sweat. And then Chase Young, KJ Henry, defensive end for the Commanders. He was taken in the fifth round out of Clemson, pick 137. Certainly not someone that looks to be stepping into a starting role, Matt, but how do you kind of see that playing out with him long term? Do you think they're going to end up giving him a shot to take over for one of these guys? I think if KJ Henry had played somewhere other than Clemson, he probably would not have even been a third round pick. He never reached 10 tackles for loss or five sacks in a year in college. And he spent five years there. So he had opportunities, bad three cone time, bad short shuttle, and he's only 253 pounds. So if anything, he should be the kind of guy that's bendier and quicker around the edge. Did put up a good 40 time, good speed score, which is a big metric that I use to measure edge players, but I mentioned bad and three cone short shuttle also tested weekly in broad Burt 10 yard split. So he's just not explosive and he's already 24. So if we're waiting on him beyond this Mm. season, he's already older and there's just nothing exciting about his profile. He'd be a pass for me. Gary, I know you don't like the deeper guys, but no, I mean, he would definitely just be a developmental prospect standard leagues. You can't touch him deep, deep dynasty. You don't really want to touch him too quick. You probably just wait and see. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're looking in that range for somebody who does have upside, Byron Young, who went to the Rams on the edge, is much more interesting. He's even older. He's already 25, so he doesn't have that working for him. But this is a goofy class on that front. It's an older class. I'm sure the COVID year factored in. It gave a lot of guys an extra year in college. You see older players, other positions as well. But Byron Young, 44340, that gave him the second best speed score, 99th percentile among edge players. He ran an okay three cone, 55th percentile. So not great, but okay. It, it'll work for us. 1.02 career tackles for loss per game. So he produced on the field and then he landed with the Rams. So there's immediate opportunity if he shows mm-hmm. them that he's ready. So that's the third round edge player that I'd be more and much more interested in. He went almost two full rounds. It probably was about higher than KJ Henry too. And the thing about Byron Young, just for all of you out there doing your IDP drafts coming up, make sure you're, if you're trying to draft Byron Young, you're clicking on the right one. There will be another one listed, a defensive tackle who went to the Raiders. You're not going to have as much interest in at all. So be careful out there with that. Sort of like the David Long thing with David Long, the linebacker, and David Long, the cornerback. Gary, any thoughts on Byron Young, the edge player for the Rams? More into uh, Michael Holt at the moment. I hate to derail from a rookie situation. I mean, yeah, the guy's going to have plenty of opportunity, but oh man, what's your what's your thoughts, Matt? Because we only get to really talk like once, twice a year. What's your thoughts on that? I'm going to pronounce it. I'm going to hack it up. Mr. Hoyt. I think he pronounces it Hoyt. Um, I honestly, I'd be lying if I said I had any strong feelings about him. I'm kind of waiting to see how everything sorts out. He kind of developed, went in from a big 
big dude interior defensive lineman into an outside linebacker type rusher in season. They reduced his snaps with reduced snaps. His, his production went up. Right now, he's clearly penciled in to probably start next to Aaron Donald, as far as I'm concerned. And I actually think it's going to probably come as an edge rusher. I mean, literally at the beginning of the season, you could see the guy. He was—he didn't ever take his hands off the ground when he was rushing, very rarely from the two-point stance. But towards the end, when he started producing, that's where that came from. I hope that momentum comes in because I think he's going to be a late still for a lot of people in some standard leagues and and nice stash for deep. And yes, he happens to be from the Dayton, Ohio area or went to school here. So, you know, I I like to see that guy really break out. I think that um, putting a rookie into this mix, it's just opportunity. He kind of gets a default target on him for that fact when he lands with the Rams. He's probably going to start trial by fire. And there might be a lot of upside here, or... Ah, morning. Nothing like waking up to crying kids, hungry pets, and an angry alarm clock. All a football fan wants is to get your kids to school, feed the dogs and clock in at the office, and then you can finally settle in and enjoy a moment of peace with your morning cup of coffee. And you are just in time for the SGPN IDP Pro Manager Podcast, which your idiot league mates haven't yet discovered. Let Brad, Craig, and Gary start your day with all the reliable IDP information you need. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern on the SGPN Fantasy Football YouTube channel, where your SGPN IDP pros know exactly what you need. Awesome. Besides another cup of coffee. And thank you to everyone who's watching us live on YouTube. Make sure you smash that subscribe button and like this video and get notifications on for all the content dropping on this channel. Going back to rookies here, uh, this is a guy that I really liked and I still do like, although the immediate future is a lot more murky. It's Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. He was in the third round at 67th overall to the Denver Broncos. He had been used all over the field at Arkansas after coming over from Alabama. And it kind of sounds like initially they're going to be trying him on the inside. Problem with that is they have Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell right now. So probably not a whole lot of interest this year for redraft value, but Matt, I'm interested in how you feel about Drew Sanders long-term there in Denver. I mean, I was quite surprised that he landed in round three, two rounds after Jack Campbell. He was commonly mocked uh, ahead of Jack Campbell heading in. Like I said, I liked Campbell better anyway. Um, If Sanders landed somewhere other than Denver, I would be more interested at this point. But like you said, he's there with Josie Jewell around. They re-signed Alex Singleton for multi-years, which is a bit surprising because he had trouble sticking first in Philly, then on the field in Denver. And then, you know, he hits free agency and they, they pay him for three years. So when you put that on top of Drew Sanders doing like his most notable work last year from the edge that doesn't really translate to the NFL. I mean, obviously we're early in the career of Micah Parsons. So I think that's going to skew the way some people think about a linebacker being able to rush the passer. That's, that's not a profile that other guys are going to follow. So Drew Sanders brings the pass rush ability, but I'm not sure that that's really going to translate to the NFL. Looks like he's going to need a bit more time to develop. I think the upside's there. If he gets the opportunity, I I'm not going to go out of my way to get it because I think he'll still go probably significantly earlier in rookie drafts than some of these other round three linebackers. Gary, any thoughts on him? No, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, he's uh, Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, handcuff. All right. 
Next uh, one is a third-round linebacker as well to my Dallas Cowboys, taking 90th out of Texas, DeMarvian Overshone. Goes to a situation where Dallas really only had two IDP linebackers. If you want to consider Micah Parsons a linebacker, they were relevant for fantasy football with the other being Leighton Van Der Escher. They brought back at the end of the offseason last year, and they re-signed to a two-year deal this offseason. Certainly expecting Leighton to be on the field with Micah for most of the time. Do you see much of a role this year for Overshone if the other two are healthy there, Matt? I would guess not. I mean, it sounds like Micah Parsons is going to spend even more time on the edge this next year. He's bulking up this offseason, so it sounds like we should consider him more of an edge. But even with that, I mean, they, they have Jabril Cox around. They have Damon Clark, who they drafted last year. Um, both of those guys have upside. And then Overshone arrives. He's tall but skinny, 14th percentile weight historically at linebacker he's fast enough but you wonder if he's strong enough to play nfl linebacker only had 15 bench reps so that's fifth percentile among linebackers and you know i don't want to overweight that aspect but if you're skinny and not that strong you know that's going to challenge your ability to get on the field right away uh former db so it looks like he can play in coverage produced there and also had 10 tackles for loss last year so you at least developed into a guy that can play going forward but again, it's it's a little bit too crowded for me to see the immediate path for usage. So that's going to hamper his ability to get into my dynasty player exposures. I think it's all just uh, whitewash, man. Whitewash. I, I, I don't see a lot of roles changing. Yeah, we might see Parsons pass rush a little bit more. But I mean, had like 140 or 150 of his rookie season. And then he what dropped to like 80 or 90. I mean, it was cut in half or something. So, but that's still ridiculously a lot. I think it's kind of a smoke screen. I think his rookie is going to be nothing but depth. And they made this decision. If they're going to use Parsons as more of an edge rusher, then it's because of Cox, Clark, these other guys has developed that's allowed this to happen. I, I think that uh, last year, the second linebacker normally got like, 50% of the snaps, the second inside linebacker, if they even used one um, next to Vanderish, if it wasn't Parsons. So I, I'm not I'm not too excited about this altogether. Well, we're going to move to safety here, and this is a guy I'm not predicting will do this, but I think has a chance to end up in starting lineups by the end of the year here. It's Jair Brown, safety out of Penn State. He went in the third round, 87th overall to the 49ers. 49ers, of course, had a breakout from Talanoa Hufanga. They drafted him in the fifth round in 2021. He started last year and was one of those big surprises in the IDP world last year. Next to him, they re-signed Tayshawn Gibson for a one-year deal. It was pretty cheap. So, again, if Brown shows up at camp and starts playing well, I could see him working his way into a starting role. Again, not predicting it because the 49ers are going to be one of those teams that are making a move to try to get to the Super Bowl again. Matt, how are you feeling about this sort of safety battle he's been inserted to here? There's definitely room for him to challenge Tayshawn Gibson if he proves, um, you know, good enough. The numbers are really good on Jair Brown the past two years. 18 passes defense, 10 interceptions, and then even seven tackles for loss, four sacks last year, despite playing a little bit less in the box than he did in his first season. The thing that worries me about him is he's small, 5'11", so he's that size, 203 pounds. He's basically the size of a cornerback, but also ran slow for a safety in pre-draft testing. 19th percentile, 40, 20th percentile speed score, tested poorly in the jumps. So he's not an explosive athlete, 
It took him a little while to see the field in college. He was a Juco guy first. He and Jaquan Brisker, actually, I was reading Dane Brugler's Hmm. um, guide earlier. They played together in junior college and then both ended up at Penn state together. So, you know, maybe that, maybe the way things are going for Brisker is good for Mm -hmm. Brown. I just think when you put it all together, it makes for an unexciting prospect and we'll just kind of see if he emerges as opposed to me stashing him and waiting for it to happen. It's a rough situation comes to San Fran and depending on anybody to be consistently putting out any safety type numbers to begin with. So if it isn't Hoffinger, I'm going to say it wrong, right? Huffman. I like calling him Huffman. If it, <laughs> if it ain't Huffman, I'm not really interested. And I've only got so many, uh, so much stock interest in Huffman too. We mentioned right before the show, we almost skipped safeties to this deep, but Y'all's going to want to know, so we're going to pick Matt's brain. Ever notice these days how things have changed with sports entertainment? Suddenly everyone is edgy and they don't mind offending people with offensive words. It's everywhere. Podcasts, radio, to primetime TV. All I want are NFL defensive player reports. Maybe a quick update on the best streaming corners. And yet, I have to hear about the dirty O. That's right. (gasps) Offensive player discussions and hot takes blocking my path to the sweet, Sweet defensive information I need. Bullshit. That was until I found the IDP Pro Players Podcast. And now, unless the IDP Pro's John or Gary mess up, Uh I know I'm not going to be offended by their no-dirty-o approach. So take my word for it. Catch the Sports Gambling IDP Pro Player Podcast every week and leave the dirty-o behind. So if you or someone you know has an IDP degenerate problem, that's terrific. And the fantasy move to make is to go follow a couple of the best veterans in the fantasy football industry. That was on Twitter at capital I, capital D, capital P, R O. One word at the IDP Pro Players Pod. Oh, yeah. Since Gary threw the safety class under the bus there a little bit before, and I'm going to call an audible and jump ahead here to another safety we had on the list. Jordan Battle, he went to the Bengals 95th in the third round out of Alabama. He's a guy that, to me, when I was watching him, he sort of did everything all right, but he didn't do anything exceptionally well at Alabama. I do see him having the potential to work his way into a starting lineup too. If things go well this off season for him, I know they signed, uh, was it, I think Nick Scott, Scott, I was getting Scott. too confused yeah, from the Rams, yeah. but Former he's Ram. going to be one of the starters there. They drafted Dax Hill in the first round last year, but he's a guy that played uh, slot corner a lot at Michigan. And he did some of that too, when he actually got on the field for the Bengals this past year. So I could see him having the three of them on the field there at the same time, but the way the NFL is moving towards that, how do you feel about his chances there, Matt? The, the, that's the kind of guy that I would be interested in. Again, if the price aligns in uh, rookie draft, it's a, a bad class of safety. So if you go in the third round among this group, that's you know not an awesome sign for your physical upside. But I love the opportunity for Jordan Battle. As you mentioned, they lost Jesse Bates. They lost Von Bell. They are going to elevate Dax Hill. That's the Bengal that I would buy um, at their relative prices here. And Nick Scott is a former seventh round pick who the Rams didn't feel like retaining when he hit free agency (laughs) his rookie deal. So you got to think that there's at least room for Jordan battle to fight Nick Scott for that starting job. Good size, six, one, two Oh nine above average speed score. So he's the kind of prospect that's like good. You know, you look, you're like, Oh, that's fine. That's fine. All right. No standout production. There's nothing that says love Jordan battle, but there's enough where you're like, I can see him, fighting for a spot. And if he gets on the field, then he can be relevant. 
Nick Scott's just he's expendable. He he's a he's a placeholder by a name right now. If he makes it through this season, I'll be surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati's not done either. I, I like Daxon Hill. Have to 100% agree there. But uh, I still wonder where in the hell is John Johnson going to land? I, I, I kind of like Philadelphia, but I also like Cincinnati. Well, we're going to move to a linebacker here and a guy that's uh, picked up a lot of steam lately in the IDP community. Dorian Williams went in the third round out of Tulane. He was 91st overall to Buffalo. So Buffalo has a couple guys there. They have uh, Dodson and they have Bernard who might be taking over that spot. Would you throw Dorian Williams in there who did well in coverage at Tulane and really showed out in the bowl game that they had? A lot of people are hopeful he's going to end up being a starter there. I think it's probably foolish, like you mentioned, with a lot of these guys to assume that they're going to end up starting at all this year. But with the hype going on, do you think Dorian Williams is going to be going higher in drafts than you'd feel comfortable taking him at? I hope not because Dorian Williams is the round three linebacker that I'm interested in. There's one more that we have on the list, but Dorian Williams, 96th percentile 40 gives him a 92nd percentile speed score. I really like speed score because it combines the 40 time and the weight. And when you're looking at edge, you're looking at linebacker, you want somebody that can run well for his size, not just the fastest guy. Also a hundredth percentile bench. So Dorian Williams is a smallish guy but strong. You know, we talked about that um, with another linebacker before I I'm in upstate New York. So we've got bills fans around and they're like, we wanted a big guy in the middle of our defense. Who's this? <laughs> the right aid in my neighborhood. The manager is a bills fan was just talking to me about the draft yesterday. And he's like, I don't know if they really addressed what they needed at linebacker. And I wanted to be like, listen, man, you're going to like Dorian Williams. Go ahead and, you know, get the Jersey now while it's discounted. And then a couple years from now, you can thank me. When he became a starter as a sophomore, he had 15 and a half tackles for loss immediately in that season. He had seven passes defense last year as a senior. He's not big, like I said, just under six foot one, 228 pounds. But the view on what's the right size at linebacker is skewed at this point. Historically, that's small for a linebacker. But by today's standards, that's not actually that small. If you look at the top fantasy finishers, Almost everybody is in the 230s weight-wise with a couple guys mixed in who are just short of 230, very few who are in the 240 range. So Dorian Williams is not that far from what the usual linebacker is at this point. And like you said, the opportunity is there. As long as he proves ready, that's the only thing standing in his way in Buffalo. Gary, if he gets a starting job there in Buffalo, are you interested in him at that point? Oh, I'm interested in whoever the hell is starting in Buffalo. Yes. I mean, we've seen Preston Brown previous to Edmonds. And, but the position in Buffalo is a golden gem. My problem, I have this thing, Matt, where I go and I just look at ESPN or some one of these vanilla ones, and I love depth charts, and I love picking on them this time of year. It's easy to do. Be careful here. But they have H.A. Klein, penciled in as the middle inside linebacker. Next to Matt Milano, and then you have last year's Terrell Bernard. I think he was also a third rounder. He got a little bit of playing time. Dorian Williamson. My question, okay, I could definitely see Williamson in a rookie rat, rookie draft is the guy to go. And we know Matt Milano is probably only safest guy. Matt, let me, let me ask you, do you know much about Terrell Bernard that you would, if you had to pick between the two, that you might give that second year guy a, a look since he got a little spurt last year? 
I mean, he had a pretty good prospect profile as well. Like you mentioned, also mm-hmm. a third round pick does have a year behind him with the team. So I'm going to really be watching what they have to say about the guys. I haven't really had a chance to look into that. I don't think it's out there yet, Matt. It, 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 not to put you on the hot seat, it's not even out there yet. I, I mean, it's an interesting scenario to watch an OTAs, minicamp, offseason. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of brought it up that in, in a rookie, yeah, I mean, Williams is definitely the target in a rookie draft. But if I'm in some super dark degenerate league, I'm interested in Bernard. I'm keeping an eye on him for a little bit here. You mentioned there was another third round rookie linebacker. You had some interest. Dayon Henley is similar in size and profile to Dorian Williams. He's interesting, though, because he didn't hit college as a linebacker. So he is early in his linebacker development right now. Was a high school quarterback, arrived at Nevada as an athlete, started out at wide receiver, moved to DB over the first couple of years, finally became a linebacker in 2020. Then it started in 2021 for the first time, led his team in tackles, grabbed four interceptions there, transferred to Washington State for his fifth season, followed his position coach, who was a defensive coordinator at Washington State last year. 12 tackles for loss, four sacks, three forced fumbles. So we see a guy that's always been athletic, and they are trying to find a spot for him. It looks like he found his spot over the past two years, and he's showing signs of what he can turn into. Another small guy, even a little bit smaller than Dorian Williams, but fourth among the true non-edge linebackers in this class in tackles for loss per game last season, fifth in the class in total tackle share in 2022. So again, showing promise and lands with the Chargers where they did sign Eric Kendricks, but that's obviously a Band-Aid and a position where they haven't had answers forever. So I'll be curious to see how quickly Dayon Henley can prove he's ready to step on the field, but there's opportunity and upside. I listened to a lot of pre-draft stuff from people that are way smarter than I am. And I think it was on the one that Field Yates, Todd McShane, Mel Kuyper were on, but they were talking about at the Senior Bowl and a lot of the reps that they were doing when it was the running backs versus the linebacker, how they skewed, and generally you're going to have the running back win. Dan Henley was stonewalling the running backs to the point where running backs were tapping out and didn't want to go against him in the drills which really points to a useful skill at the NFL level <laughs> where he's already doing well in coverage. And if he's going to be able to do that, and then he has a guy like Eric Kendricks, he can learn from, you know, some of the more nuanced things at the NFL level. I really like that landing spot for him too. And it's six foot, 225 pounds, especially impressive. But that's going to about do it for our show here this week. We'll be back of course next week and we'll be doing something probably not rookie related, but Matt, Thanks again for stopping by to talk rookies with us and let everybody know where they can find you and your content again. Yeah, guys, draftsharks.com. Like I said, the rookie rankings just went up this week, so go check those out now. I'm working on projections, so they're going to be in the system very soon. And, of course, they power the draft war room that sinks to your league and handles whatever style draft, whatever format you play. It gives you the best pick every round. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, I can't think of anything I'd rather do than talk defensive players on a Friday morning. Well, we're going to have to do this again, man. That's going to do it for us, folks. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you back next week. 